Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organise Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me has been reborn to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives and how we can take inspiration from them. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organise Curate Design, I welcome you to listen and get inspired as we showcase these incredible women. So welcome to another episode of the She Inspires Me podcast. Today, I have with me Edam Badu. Edam, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, I'm going to start off by just introducing you to our audience um, and just getting um, going through a few things so they can get to know you a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, Edam is the founder and creative director at Studio Badu, a multidisciplinary design studio specializing in brand identity, creation, graphic design, strategy, and art direction. Studio Badu was founded in 2013 with a promise to provide a purpose-led approach to, to design where visual communication solutions build businesses and brands that thrive. With over 10 years' experience in marketing, public relations and graphic design, Enem is known in the industry for her ability to understand and accurately deliver on a client brief. Her approach embodies strategy as an added tool for creating design that inspires action and communicates directly to a desired audience. Her love and passion for building brands has led her to create outstanding work for her clients that range in scale and size across the globe. An unapologetic perfectionist at heart, Adam leads the creative team at Studio Badu to bring visions to life. When not working, Adam can be found enjoying home-cooked dinners with families and friends over wine, deep conversations and laughter against the backdrop of soul and Afrobeats music. Having spent time living in multiple cities, including Accra, Tema, Invercargill, Geelong, Melbourne and New York, she has a passion for seeking knowledge and travelling to anywhere the sun is shining, particularly to her home country, Ghana. She is an adventurer at heart, who loves new experiences, stands for what she believes in and attempts to live a minimalist lifestyle. Her dream holiday destinations are the Bahamas and Zanzibar. So I met Edam over 10 years ago and I feel like that was literally just yesterday. Um, So back in 2009, um, I had moved. um, I grew up in Brisbane and I had moved from Brisbane to Melbourne um, and I took on a management role um, and Edam was like the team, in the team that I inherited. Now, soon after I inherited the team, Edam left. So I'm hoping, <laughs> I, I'm not going to take that personally. I know, like I'm, I'm not going to take it personally because I know why you left. Um, and I remember really clearly just you coming to me and saying, I, I need to resign. And, yeah. and, but then you say, like, you're telling me why. And I was like, oh my God, you are made for so much more than this customer service oh, role that you were oh, doing. Such a crazy <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like fast forward, even when I was reading through your bio, like fast forward over 10 years later, yeah. you've gone and explored the world. Yeah. You've taken all of those things. Um, so thank you so much for being a guest. I was super excited when I was like, can I ask? Oh, that's so cool. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm really excited, actually. I'm, yeah, honoured that you even asked me to come on this podcast. So, so one of the key reasons why 
I wanted to have you on the podcast is um, it's funny when I talk about like anyone that's kind of heard my career story, I was meant to study graphic design when I left school. Oh, so I had, yeah, so I had um, applied to go to uni. I was ready to go. I had won like art awards and painted and done things at school. Oh my God, I yeah, all this that. whole <laughs> this whole other life that everyone's like, "What are you talking about?" So I was going to study graphic design, got accepted into uni, and then was like, "Oh, what if I run out of artistic ability and I'm terrible at this and it's a terrible oh, idea?" And it's funny now that anyone that knows me and knows the work that I do, kind of have done in events, and now the kind of work that I do in regards to getting people organised. They're like graphic design, really? I'm like, if you know me well enough, you kind of, if you dig under the surface, you can kind of see that. But when you came to me, I remember having this conversation with you about the fact that you were going to pursue this new career. Um, And I was like, yeah, 100% yes. Like, go for it. Can't wait to see what you do. Um, But where, take us back. Like, has art and that creativity has, has it always just been in you? Like, is it? Yeah. yeah. Always. Um, I remember when I was a kid, um, in New Zealand, when we lived in New Zealand, I, another place. We didn't even mention that in the places. That yeah, you no. So I named the cities. I deliberately did that. I named Invercargill, which is like the tiniest town in, in, um, in New Zealand, South Island. Um, so when we moved from Ghana, we went straight to Invercargill and we were there for about seven years. So, um, I'd always just been drawing, always just been painting, and I was just really creative with um, it was just the clothes I would wear. I would just put on just the most random things and like do it up with a belt. And I used to wear this like long, skivvy sort of dress thing and then put a belt across it when that wasn't in at the time. Yeah, like, very in now. Very in winter. <laughs> it was like early 1990s. Um, but I was just always creative with just everything, just loved art. Um, and so, yeah, we moved to Australia and um, still always painting, always drawing, but I just never really showed anyone my work. Um, I was into like writing poetry and singing and anything creative, like that was just what I was doing, what I was really good at. Um, And I remember when it was time for uni, my dad, well, my parents were like, oh, you have to, you know, get a career that's going to like be financially stable. You know how parents are. Get a normal job. (laughs) Yeah, get a normal job. You can't be an artist. And I was like, no, I want to be an artist. Um, And so... Eventually, I can't remember how that even happened, but eventually we settled on me going into arts commerce at Deakin Uni. Um, in return, I could live at, I could go anywhere, I could move out. So I was like, oh, that sounds like a fair exchange. So that's when I went to Geelong and studied um, arts commerce in Geelong. Um, but then I've just always had this like, you know, we just have this thing behind your head, behind like behind your head when you're yep. just like, this is, you know, your true passion, you know what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. Um, so after uni, I got into like public relations and marketing and then worked with you as well. And I just knew something wasn't right. Like I wasn't cultivating my creative abilities and it just wasn't sitting right with me. I was restless and anxious and I just randomly, just one day randomly decided, yep, I'm going to do this. And mind you, I'd never shown anyone any of my artwork before. So I was a nervous wreck. And, um, I remember walking down the street in Fitzroy and there was this building, this building that was sort of run down, but they were doing it up. And I remember just walking in there and be like, I want to hold an art exhibition. Never done that in my life before. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, cool. We'll give you three months to have like 20 pieces together and do all your marketing and all your PR and everything. I was like, yep, sweet. So we signed the deal. 
And I remember going home thinking, what the heck did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> what do I even know about art? Um, I don't know what drove me to do it. I just did it. And that, that's when I came to you and I was like, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. And mm-hmm. um, I don't even know how that led to graphic design because I knew I wanted to paint. And then just having conversations with people, I was actually going to go into copywriting and study copywriting and how to be a writer. And then somehow that led me into graphic design. And I saw that that would be like a viable career that was financially stable as well. And I get to do my artwork in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the financial, well, don't get me wrong, we all got to pay the bills, but that financial stability that your parents have drilled into your brain somewhere, they're like, their little voices are still there telling you to get a real job. <laughs> thankfully though, thankfully, because it's, it's a reality, isn't it? It's a reality in life. Like, you can, you can do anything you want that you're passionate about, but you still got to pay your bills. You still got to eat. <laughs> that is unfortunately very true. Um, now, I remember, so what year was the gallery, or was that the exhibition? Was 2010, in August 2010. Yeah, okay. So it was like within a year of me meeting you. And I remember like, I remember thinking, I'm glad that you've shared that story because I remember thinking that happened really quickly. Like, I swear we just had this conversation. Um, Yeah, because I, like, you had left and then next thing you know, I got this invite to some exhibition. And I was like, how did you do that? I was 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 very impressed. It was so crazy because I remember I was working with you guys from, like, 9 to 5.30 or whatever. Mm. And I'll go home, have dinner, and then start painting from like six thirty up until three, four in the morning, and I'll sleep for a couple of hours and then wake up and go to work. That was for like a good three months that I was yep. doing that for. It was so yep. crazy. So, so you, your instinct kicks in. Yeah. You rent a space. Yeah. You create the pieces. Yeah. You hold a, what I remember to be a, a truly magnificent, like the energy in the room, and obviously your community. And the yeah. people that had attended, um, the energy was really high. Um, yeah. And really, I think even the energy in the room really um, suited the style of art that you create um, and the style that you created for the exhibition. I also remember that you sold quite a lot of paintings that night. Yeah, um, and so is that, like, I know that we've obviously, we're te- almost 10 years later now, but is that style of art something that's still prominent in your life? Or have you had any other exhibitions since or what happened to that format? Yeah, I did. Um, when I was in New York, so I moved to New York straight after. The mm-hmm. It was like three days after, I think. <laughs> yes, it was. It was really fast. <laughs> it was so crazy. Um, but I, I was featured in a couple of, like, group exhibitions in New York and I kept doing the same style of artwork <clears throat> excuse me um and then what I do yeah I just kept doing the same style and it was more that whole exhibition was just more about exploring my own self-identity and who I was and just understanding more about who I was so I kept doing that but then I got to a point where I really I know I felt pressured to change my style mm-hmm. and to just come up with something new and that pressure I think sort of held me back from continuing mm-hmm. um, so I would just do like commissioned work for people who were interested in pieces that I'd already sold and I'll sort of like tweak it to be more aligned with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so since then I've just been doing commissioned work um, in terms of fine art yeah. and haven't had any exhibitions. So yeah, I definitely want to do one one day again. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. <laughs> I'm going to hold, I, I do this, I think I do this almost every interview that I've had. Someone will say something and I'm like, I'm going to call you afterwards. And yeah. Like, 
um, but no, well, that would be incredible because I'd actually just be curious to see um, if you just gave yourself the freedom of I'm going to create those exactly. pieces, what yeah. came of that? Because you, you've changed and, and time just means that you've changed and evolved even as an artist and even the tools that you have access to would be really different. So um, so we'll have to watch the space and see if there's another exhibition on the cards. But, um, yeah, I, it's so funny hearing that story kind of from your perspective because, you know, from my perspective I was, you know, I'd got, only gotten to know you for a brief amount of time. Um, you went, you left the role that we were working together um, and I could kind of see snippets of what you were doing. But to know how quickly that turned around and I yeah. knew that, like, the New York thing came up and you were gone so quickly yeah. as well. So, um, so do you, do you remember the point where you kind of went from that to graphic design? Um, do you mean from painting? From kind of treat it more, like, fine art to yeah. graphic design? Um, it was mostly, again, everything just happened quickly. It was mostly <laughs> getting to New York and I don't even know what I thought I was going to be doing in New York, to be honest. <laughs> Were you doing a course? Was that- yeah, I ended up doing yeah. the graphic design course there. But yeah. when I got there, I was sort of just, I just wanted to be in like a creative space and New York was perfect for that because everyone was, creative and everyone was just really passionate about whatever they wanted to do whether it was to be an acrobat or whatever it was everyone was so passionate so I just wanted to be in that energy and then um going through the whole okay what am I going to study what am I going to do um I think I kind of remember how that happened but somehow I ended up into this graphic design course so it wasn't really a moment it was just more trying to figure out okay how can I make a living through art but in a way that's sustainable as well Mm. um and then just enrolled into this graphic design course and absolutely loved it because it was the best of both worlds I still get to do some creativity but then also can see like there could be a job in this as well yeah yeah Yeah. so there wasn't a moment moment it was just more just following the journey and just trusting in it yeah but carefree with it and that piece of how can I utilise my artistic ability but also make it a job? That was my mindset back in, like, you know, in year 12. I was like, okay, what am I going to do? They kept telling me I have to pick a uni degree because that's what they do at school and yeah. and um, art was the thing that I enjoyed the most at school. So I was like, okay, well, this is just, like, I'll, put, I'll connect the dots and that should be what I do. And yeah. I just ended up kind of deciding last minute that it wasn't for me and... Yeah. Yeah. I'm so shocked that you were in like, <laughs> as well. I'm so shocked. <laughs> I can see it, but I was like, yeah, I can see it, but yeah, I'm still It's shocked. so funny. And it's funny now because the, a lot of the work that we do for our clients is very design-based. Oh. Um, so we do a lot of work behind the scenes in the business um, for um, clients and you kind of just have to have an eye for it. Yeah. Um, and even when we moved, we've recently moved into a new home and, um, I was going to get a friend who's an interior um, decorator in and then COVID happened and we were like, okay, this isn't going to work. Yeah. So I just ended up setting up the house and she was like, why on earth are you going to hire me? You know exactly yeah, what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's, for me, it was also like, you know, just getting an extra set of eyes on it and also yeah. just knowing what works yeah. and what's going to date and those sorts of things. Um, I really like that collaborative approach. And I think that's a beautiful thing when it comes to, artistic um, freedom is when you can have a collaborative approach, when you can bring different people to the mix. And um, so how long into your graphic design kind of journey from New York did you then decide I'm going to, 
do my own thing. Like I'm actually going to create my own brand and my own company. Yeah. Um, when I came back from, um, from New York, I got a full-time job <clears throat> as a graphic designer. So I worked there for a couple of years and it was through that time where I loved what I was doing. I absolutely loved being a graphic designer, but I didn't love being stuck in a, I didn't love not having the freedom to create things. It was mostly just being told, oh, you know, put this here and change this and change this color and this font and this and that. It wasn't, it wasn't that creative expression, that freedom that I wanted. And then also I knew that um, I wanted to work for myself. Like I knew that the nine to five just didn't suit me. Mm. Um, and I think I was just thinking long-term, like if I had a family or whatnot, I just want to be able to, choose how I work and when I when I'm at home and mm. uh, just that I really just want a freedom <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we were saying just before we started recording um you know we're in COVID and now like we're we're the kind of people that are happy to be at home but don't tell me I have to be at home because that's don't tell me what to do <laughs> but then let me be at home because I want to be at home so um so it. I think that's the thing. And even though I, I was like, at that time, I was like, I don't want to work nine to five. Now I literally work like 24 seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the weird curse of the entrepreneur or business owner where you will give up more hours in your day to not have to have someone telling you what to do. Like oh you work God. twice as long, but it's yours. So, yeah, exactly. you know, and you have the freedom to take the whole week off next week if you want exactly. to, because no one can tell you what to do. Um, <laughs> Now, one of the things that stood out in your bio that really kind of made me giggle because it's me, like it's such a trait of mine, um, but you class yourself as unapologetically um, a perfectionist. And so how does that work when it comes to design? Like when you're delivering for a client, how do you step away from the design when you know that you could keep tweaking it? Yeah, yeah. That's the curse, isn't it, being a perfectionist? Um, I think that term comes from, you know, when people are like, oh, you don't have to be a perfectionist and you sort of take it on board and you get a bit anxious and start beating yep. yourself up about being a perfectionist. And I just got to a point where it's like, no, hold on. Like I'm allowed to be, I'm allowed to acknowledge the fact that I'm a perfectionist mm. <clears throat> and I don't have to apologize for it. But then in the same breath, it's also about knowing that things are not always perfect, but they're perfect anyways yeah um so I was just sort of writing those two thoughts um mm-hmm. when it comes to perfection I'm, I'm a perf- perfectionist I just need everything to be perfect before it's delivered <laughs> <laughs> and it's never complete like nothing as a creative obviously you would know like nothing's ever complete you never mm-hmm. feel like anything is complete you can always tweak something or change something yeah. but um it's more so like and I think my clients love the fact that I'm a perfectionist because they know that any work that we produce will be of high quality, high quality standards. Yeah. And they know that I'll always put in my best. I will never give something that was like half-hearted, mm. half done or, you know, incomplete. Um, but with that unapologeticness, it's just knowing, just owning it and just being like, yeah, I am a perfectionist and that's fine. But I also know that things will never be hundred percent complete and it's always going to be perfect just the way it is. So yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just about coming to terms with that and being okay with being a perfectionist and that's fine with me. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because one of the things that I have to do a lot with my clients is to tell them that done is better than perfect because, yeah. you know, a big part of the work that I do is 
about progress and about kind of getting it done. Let's just not get stuck on things, which is really hard because I'm a perfectionist as well. And so I totally get the whole, well, no, like it has to be just this way. And um, yeah, so it is. And and I think it's also depending. I think for me, I've always said that my perfectionism is quite specific. So I'm not going to spend like hours and hours on a social media post. Yeah, I don't even yeah. think anyone's going to read it. Like, it's not in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it's going to come and go so quickly. It's not that yeah. important. Now, now, if I was creating or, or if I was, you know, finalizing a, a logo or something or something that's long term, yep, that's yeah. really important. And um, yeah, and I think I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't envy the position that you're in because when you are so passionate about design, yeah. and the client's like, yeah, it's fine, and you're like, no, it's not fine. Yeah. <laughs> No, this is the first round. This yeah, is- yeah. When they're like, "Happy to sign it off," and you're like, "These are just concepts." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, like you're saying, um, even just things like I have to be perfectionist, and things like, for instance, if we choose like a color palette for a, a brand, it's not just about going, "Oh, yeah, that pink will do," and that you know, that green will do. It's more about like I would go into depth with that and research like color, <clears throat> color theories and. Mm go into depth so that everything makes sense. And I think that's where the perfectionism comes in. Like nothing is ever placed there for no reason. There's always a reason why something is placed there. So I think that's where the perfectionist comes in. But then when it comes to like, I don't know, finalizing, you know, artwork or whatever, I'll still make sure it's perfect, but I won't be like tweaking everything to like the millimeter. (laughs) (laughs) And that also creates um, depth and longevity. So I know that when I look at, especially from a graphic design point of view, when I see a design and then I see it five years later and it still holds, holds its own, you know that the depth and the detail and the, the reason why that sits yeah. behind the why the colours were chosen and the curve yeah. was here and this and this and that, it, it's kind of, it stands the test of time. But yeah. when you kind of throw something together yeah. and it doesn't have any depth to it, then, yeah, within a year you're like, oh, I think we need to change that. So, Which is fine because certain things, you know, are supposed to only last a short period of time. But, um, yeah. yeah, no, that's, um, that's, a, that's a good balance of your perfectionism. I love it. <laughs> it's really... <laughs> um, you can use that whenever you want to. <laughs> oh, sure, no problem. I'll just pretend that that's how I, that's how yeah. I roll. <laughs> um, so one of the things that's, uh, I think, in this time of COVID, like, so we're recording in late June now. Um, we, you know, this episode will go out when it goes out, but right now it's late June. We're in COVID. Um, and I think a lot of people, especially in the first few months of COVID, like that kind of March, April point, um, especially here in Australia, have given themselves or have had more time um, and probably have explored a lot of different things that they haven't ever tried before. Um, what would you recommend or um, what has worked really well um, for the people around you when it comes to exploring their creativity? Is it painting? Is it just like, is there something that if someone said to you, what can I do to be more creative? Like what would yeah. you recommend to them? Well, creative, being creative is such a, um, it's almost a vague term, isn't it? Because It's pretty broad. Like, yeah what does it actually mean to be creative and I think it's just about expressing yourself and the freedom of fear I guess is what mm. it is um what so, do you mean by that 
so well for instance when you're so for instance when I'm painting like I lose sense of time and I lose sense of anything around me it's just more it's almost like you're in a meditative state where you're just enjoying and passionate about what it is that you're doing and you're vibing in it and you're part of it and nothing else matters and you're just free to do whatever and create whatever it doesn't perfectionism doesn't even come to play in that in that space mm-hmm. um so that's when and there's no fear there because you're just doing whatever feels right and it doesn't have to be anything mm-hmm. so i think <clears throat> if people want to explore being creative just be creative with everything that you're doing whether it's you know it could be cooking and being creative with that just letting yeah. go of fear and just doing what feels right and just letting it ride and you know seeing the results at the end of that yeah and, not giving yourself a hard time about you know having the label of being creative just yeah. <laughs> i think that's the thing that's what i've realized is um during this whole COVID period is just not giving myself a hard time about anything and just seeing what i feel like doing on that day because we're in isolation and it's already tough enough for a lot of people um just see how you feel like if today is a day of procrastinating then just procrastinate and enjoy it if today's a day of like working hard and do it like you don't have to have a list of you know learn a different language and um learn how to do this and that and mm. you know how there's like this whole list of things that people are saying you need to be able to do by the time COVID is over yeah and it's so much pressure you know it's just mm. if you get up and you're able to get up and you know brush your teeth that's that's enough (laughs) if that's all you were you know that's all you did that day then tomorrow's a new day and and it is it's it it, i think the the challenge and the pressure can and i i saw those posts as well and it was funny because we're normally the ones that are pushing people for the hustle like we're like come on do the things do the things because that's what people pay us to do (laughs) where they pay us to motivate them but um in the flip side of that is there were days where i'd be like just eat the cake and sit on the couch exactly (laughs) right and that's also part of like the creative process as well because that's when you get inspired like some days I know people always ask, well, what's your creative process? And some days, like, procrastinating is part of the creative process, and that's okay. But Mm. I just feel like you can't say that because it's, you know, it's not what is supposed to be said. Mm. But literally, sometimes I'll sit on the couch and just do nothing, and I'll get inspired, and that's just part of the process. And Um, that's the space. That's the space to feel the vulnerability, the fear, the inspiration. It's whatever comes, um, and that therefore comes out in whatever you're doing it could just be writing or painting or just just sitting sitting in your thoughts which I think people actually really struggle to do which is probably why COVID's been even harder for people is the thought of actually sitting still yeah isn't something that we yeah and as a society I think we have really struggled because it's all about the hustle we've been in the hustle and we've all been in this rat race for I don't even know how long because it's like my parents sort of thing um so my kids are kind of used to the get up at this time and we've got to get ready for school we're going to do the thing and like it's go 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 go. and then the world stopped and we were like oh we have to be with our thoughts and our people and that's like really uncomfortable (laughs) exactly but it's so funny because last year i I remember thinking because i was overworked and just 
I needed a break and I did go on a holiday, but then even that didn't, when I came back from that, that yes. I was still exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I remember even thinking, oh my God, I just wish I could just stop for just a few months and do nothing. <laughs> you got wish. Everything else to stop with me because if I do nothing, like the world's still going and I'm being left behind. Mm. So it's funny when this happened, it's like, okay, we're like, everything is stopping. So this is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's so true. Like we go on holiday, I, I go on holidays and especially if it's like, a destination holiday where I end up doing a whole heap of stuff and then I need two weeks to get over my holiday because I ran around for three weeks like in another country or whatever um but it's also the the fact that the world is still going so you know my husband and I both run our own businesses and so when we go on holidays we're still online because the rest of the world isn't on holidays so yeah COVID has been um brilliant in that in that regard um but this time this time of um you know, just this time in our world has been a really interesting time. I um, I know that you know um, Dorcas from Oz yeah. Africa TV. Um, and I just spoke... ran their brand identity too. Oh, did you? I didn't yeah. know that. That's incredible. <laughs> I know that she interviewed, is it your brother that she interviewed for the Yeah, she interviewed my brother. She interviewed me as well. Yeah. Um, that was quite a while ago. It was uh, maybe like the first season or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's funny how small the world is. Like when I speak to people, I'm like, do you know this person? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I do. So yeah. um, very small world. Um, and we were talking um, when I interviewed her about um, the work that she does with the African community. Um, and we talked about, I guess in our case, in her, her and I, in our case, we have biracial children and just kind of bringing their African and um, yeah. uh, ancestry and and heritage and foundations into our modern day Australian life um and I know recently um the the protests were on here in Melbourne and um just before we started recording you and I were chatting about that um and being in COVID I don't even let my kids leave the house (laughs) they hate it they're like prisoners (laughs) Because um, I'm like super strict, yeah. Uh, so we didn't end up going. But what was I know that you went with some? Was it with some friends or family? Yeah, or, yeah, we were some yeah. friends. Yeah. And so, how was that experience? Um, had have you been to a protest of that nature before? Or um, um, yeah, I've been to a Black Lives Matter protest before in the past. Um, so this protest particularly was important for me. Um, even during COVID and, you know, we're obviously being told to stay inside, but I think the issue was, is bigger than, for, for me, the issue was as bigger than just staying inside and sort of protesting from inside. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be with my people and with allies who believed in the same cause. And mm. I felt like I had to do something like this, you know, you can donate, you can, mm. um, sign petitions you can whatever you can do that sits comfortable with you is fine but I think in my case I decided that I did want to go out and protest with my friends and with everyone else and just show solidarity not just Mm. to not just to um not just to for George Floyd in America but it was also about it was just broader like it's about indigenous people here it's about black and brown people here and Mm. globally like everyone's feeling it and this is I don't know it's just because it's of that global scale, I just felt like I needed to do something. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and I think that's really interesting because I have been in a really similar, I think anyone of colour is having those conversations and those thoughts yeah. and, and being a lot more aware. Um, I've had some very interesting conversations with my children. My, my youngest is eight, so he's, you know, not... Eight already? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's like... <laughs> it's, yeah, we blinked and he was eight. It's crazy. Um, he... And he... Um, you know, he, he looks white, like yeah. that's just the reality. And so yeah. sitting down and talking to him about George Floyd, sitting down and explaining to him that I, I'm treated differently to his dad. Yeah. Um, and, and he was just like, I don't even understand what you're saying. Um, yeah. sort of thing. So that in itself was challenging. Um, and then just having that as a discussion point and an education point and realising how little is done in especially in the education system mm-hmm. to educate young Australians of these matters mm-hmm. um, and unless they're you know really in tune with what's going on in the world um, and then also being conscious of our own privilege like we live a pretty privileged life we're pretty yeah. we're in our nice little bubble um, yeah. so it wasn't surprising that he was like I don't know what you're talking about because yeah. he doesn't live in a life and also because he does look white so it's not yeah. something he's really experienced um, so do you find um, one of the things that I've always found um, and even when we go back to those, that original exhibition and you talked about kind of having a way of sharing your passion and knowing yourself and learning about yourself because that was one of the things that always stood out for me and I think even like obviously this is an audio platform so we can't yeah. see the painting that's behind you but I can see the oh, painting yeah. that's behind you and, um, and it's, and it was at the time I remember seeing it going, wow, like this is such a beautiful representation of your culture and you as a black woman. Yeah. Um, do you think that art can play a bigger role in how we educate and how we broaden the discussion? Absolutely. Um, who was it? Oh, I'm so going to quote this wrong. Please <laughs> forgive me when I do. But um, I think it was it by Angelo. Oh, I can't remember who it was, um, who said that the art is a way to express the what was going on at the time. Sorry, mm-hmm. that is, I've misquoted her. <laughs> I get what you mean, though. Like yeah, it's, um, it's like it, it captures the point in time. Yeah. Or yep. I can't remember who it was. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, because even with my work at the time, it was more about exploring my identity and that was based on growing up in three different cultures. Like I grew up in Ghana, I grew up in New Zealand, and I grew up in Australia. So mm-hmm. all those three shaped who I, who I am. Mm-hmm. And me as a black woman, um, you know, having, having that culture already embedded in me, mm-hmm. but then obviously I have an Australian accent. I've sort of lived in a predominantly white space my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means about who I am, because when I go back home, I'm different. So you know, and they always say, you know, your skin feels different or it's, you know, yeah, it, looks it, different it does like just from yeah. the environment that we're in. It's so true. Yeah. Yep. And, um, and you know, you, you dress differently and you, luckily, fortunately for us, we still speak our language, mm-hmm. but even that is the only thing that sort of, not the only thing, but one of the only things that sort of connects me back to, to my, to my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I didn't have that, what does that make me like? What does that, it was about exploring my identity and who I, who I am and what that yeah. makes what that looks like um 
so yeah definitely art. I think art is definitely an expression of the time yeah and I yeah. think it's also a really good opportunity to um connect with our heritage if we are like in the case of my children if we are the next generation and we're biracial because we've got you know in my case Australian and um and Mauritian and then we go their next generation what does that look like and yeah. and you can lose touch um and Dorcas was saying one of the things that she does is um she just plays uh African music in the mornings when the kids are getting ready and stuff like that and she's noticing her daughter is now singing along or like knows the words to some of the songs and it's all subconscious yeah. so she's now creating an identity to the music and the art and yeah. the and the feelings that it invokes in her and it's not kind of being taught as an education piece yeah. it's just a part of feeling it and connecting yeah. with it um, which i think art has or well, art of any nature has yeah. a, has the capacity to do that so yeah absolutely i think i, yeah. I definitely agree with that too um and i'll be like i feel yeah that's probably one of the challenges that i think i might face <laughs> if i ever have children because i don't live in ghana so it's just yes about yeah playing music and cooking the foods and speaking the language and just yeah. having artifacts around the house that sort of represents the culture and doing things that are traditionally done in Ghana but doing them here and just keeping that culture alive because the reality is that there's so many people in um well I guess in Africa that that leave Africa and mm. whether yeah, it's education or work or whatever it is and I think that's one of my biggest fears also is that we're losing part of culture as yeah. well um yeah. and just going back home and just even to our village and just seeing that there's not as many people there anymore and certain traditions and certain things that were done and not being done anymore. And it's almost like, it's a sadness. I don't know. There's a sadness to it. Mm. No, I completely agree with you. And I yeah. think um, it's something that I, so I was born in Mauritius, but yeah. came to Australia when I was really young, same as you, really strong Aussie accent. And I remember my parents saying to me, like, the moment we got here, you literally just dropped everything Mauritian you could. And yeah. I know that that was so I could integrate. Yeah. I didn't want to stand out. I already stood out because I wasn't blonde with blue yeah. eyes. Um, you know, I was already trying so I could barely speak English. I was already trying so hard to fit in. So having to bring any of that culture into my day to day, I was like, God, no, I yeah. don't need to stand out anymore. I just want to fit in. And then within those years of not even realizing how hard I was trying to fit in, I lost it. You lost it. Yeah. You know, there's so much that's lost. And, yeah. um, and that's also part of creating a multicultural society, which yeah. is so amazing. Like, so you kind of almost can't have one or the other. Like, you can't yeah. hold true to, like, even when you talk about your village, you can't hold yeah. true to that because to create these new multicultural environments. We need people to leave their original location and integrate with different people. And, um, yeah, it's a really tricky scenario when you kind of look at the pluses and the negatives of both. Um, but I think, you know, culture, but, you know, and expressing that with art and food and music and the things, the things that really resonate with us as well and, and create those really significant memories um, yeah, exactly. are a great, great way of doing them. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's the right, yeah, it's the right time, especially with everything that's happening in this world at the moment. I think it's bringing to surface all of those, um, mm. all of those topics. Yeah. A lot of people, um, like black, brown and indigenous people, I think all of that is coming to surface and also opening up like wounds and past traumas and yeah. whatnot, having to go through all of that and process all of that and 
as well as have conversations and safe spaces and yeah there's a lot going on yeah. and I don't think like we have I don't think we've seen anywhere near the start of it which yeah. is it's very much the beginning but I, I genuinely believe we're heading in the right direction it's just a long 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 path um so we've talked I'm now holding you accountable to the <laughs> exhibition you're doing but other than the exhibition you're going to do are there any other projects that you're working on like what like I'm sure you're doing things for clients um anything exciting that you want to share with us um we're doing um we're doing lots of different brand well mostly rebranding projects um lots of website work and what else are we doing lots of packaging work we're getting a lot of packaging stuff at the moment oh, cool. which i need to be a little bit more proactive in posting things on social media <laughs> like whatever um but one of the things that i did want to talk about we did um we finished a brand identity for one of our clients called house of arrowa um she's based duny is her name she's based in philadelphia or she splits her time between philly and nigeria so between the states and nigeria wow. so her brand is focused on bridging the gap <clears throat> between Africa and the global beauty market, beauty industry, sorry, yeah. um, and sort of facilitating a way for beauty brands to enter into the African market and see it as a viable market because we're quite often always forgotten as being mm-hmm. a market. Yep. Um, so that's a service that she provides. And we created the brand identity for her last year and that was amazing. amazing. But the cool thing was, which I've always wanted to do, is be part of the launch of a brand um, for a brand that we've created. So she did a soft launch. She, she hosted a soft launch in Ghana um, in January of this year. And I was there at the time. So we collaborated on that. Wow. It was just amazing to just see it all come together, like from just an idea that she had at the start of last year and then creating this whole identity and brand for her and then launching it. Um, it was just so amazing. And she's going to do amazing things and just be, yeah, change the narrative of Africa as well as, you know, helping brands get out there and helping Africa and the economy there. So that was really exciting to be a part of. So I want to do amazing. Yeah, it was so cool. It was so cool. And I think even just having projects like that that are really aligned with your values and your business values um, and the stories you want to share with the world, um, that's amazing. Um, So you get to work with some pretty incredible people and I know that you've got some amazing people in your network but who are you inspired by and 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 why why are they your go-to when it comes to inspiration at the moment um i got stuck on that question when i was reading (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny because some people like go like all the way out to some you know obama and then they go and oprah and like you know whoever and then um and then others just have someone that's like their neighbor and I'm like, oh, I, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm definitely obviously inspired by women, women in business, to be honest, mm. um, especially black women in business and black entrepreneurs. Um, just seeing them pave their own way and create their own path and just be leaders and whatever they're passionate about. I think that's yeah. just amazing. Um, and being able to connect with them because they're on that same journey with you and they understand like the challenges that you go through and you can celebrate the wins and also like talk through the losses and whatnot. I think that's just a beautiful way of being inspired and sharing stories. Mm. But what I'm, who mostly inspires me is actually my nieces and my nephews. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's so cute. Oh, my God. 
Oh my God. And I, like, aren't kids just the most incredible? Like, when it comes oh, to the things they, they say, and it's like, what? The thing they do, literally, anytime I'm with them, because they're, they're tiny, anytime I'm with them, it reminds me of that whole idea of like creativity being the freedom of fear, because they are just, they're the most creative people in the world, and they're just, they have no fear whatsoever in the world. They're just doing whatever and so playful, and nothing stands in the way. And just being around them, I just remember. It takes me back to being a child and just having that playfulness with just being artistic or just being, just being. Just being. Just being. That's it. That's, that's totally, they're just being. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Like there's no care in the world. Like my little niece, um, she put on this outfit. She's so creative. Oh my goodness. Um, she put on this outfit, like she put her whole outfit together and had some like converse, um, what are they called? The high, the high top. The high top. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. like a dress, a pink dress, and then like a pink cardigan with like glitter all over it, and the hair was all done, and she just looked amazing. I was like, oh my goodness, you put that all together, and you just just because she loved it. And the next day, she wore this like red tutu skirt dress thing with like her yellow gum boots, and <laughs> it looks so cool. Um, and then she'll do things like she, oh, she's so great. She put together. She wanted to make to paint or to do something that looked like a kangaroo. So she got leaves from outside and then used the leaves to, like, create a mix of a kangaroo. Yeah, shapes. I was like, that is just... Oh, anything they do, I'm so inspired by them. They're just the cutest. I could spend hours and days with them and they'll just, <laughs> like, spit out all the new brands and stuff. So funny. So cute, yeah. But they inspire me, absolutely, 100%. And it's so funny that you say that because we've almost gone full circle because you've gone from talking about your skibby dress with the belt <laughs> and now we've gone full circle because you're talking about your niece and her, like, funky dress sense. Oh, my goodness, seriously. There we go. So true. <laughs> oh, that is my child. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's, it must be in the Badoo blood. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Um, I am going to make sure that all of our um, our show notes have all the links to connect with you. I am going to be advertising this exhibition whenever it happens. <laughs> Even if it's 10 years from now, I'll just jump back in and go, hey, guys, do you remember that thing? Oh, I um, I and I will be the first one there. Um, to see what comes of that with the next round of creativity. But thank you so much for joining us today and um, we hope to chat to you again soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today and being a part of this incredible community. Remember to hit subscribe and join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women.